Welcome to the Hereby Call podcast, where we focus on preparing the called and reminding the returned by sharing life-changing experiences from serving the Lord. Sit back and relax because you're listening to the best podcast of this dispensation. My advice to return missionaries would be remember the good things from your mission. Remember the good habits you had. Try to replicate them. If you fall short of that, it's okay. We all start do. again another day. You know, every day is a new day, a new day to every hour is a new time to change. Like you could screw up and then two minutes later decide I'm trying again. And there's no reason why you can't start trying right that minute. And if you fail again, fail forward and keep trying and trying. Welcome back to the Hereby Called podcast. My host, I'm, um, <laughs> I'm your host today. I'm, <laughs> I'll be conducting this meeting. <laughs> Anyways, um, we're back. We've got Jason. This is part two. We, I, I kind of wanted to recap what Jason had shared in his first episode, which was like a year ago because you haven't cut your hair since. Yeah, that's true. Um, so quick recap from Jason's. I listened to it this morning. We talked about MTC Narnia holes, which Zach had never heard of before. So that was <laughs> Narnia holes. That's a, that's what yeah, I called them you growing hidden, up. Which, hidden, oh, just like okay. the, hidden, <laughs> the hidden goodies. Okay. <laughs> um, we talked about uh, some some brothers that you had talked uh, taught Manuel and Raphael and yes. kind of the the lifelong friendship there. Mm-hmm. We talked about uh, a blessing that you gave that to to a young man and um, kind of how that was a blessing you needed and kind of that interesting what's the word like kind of vicarious blessing yeah i'm getting chills thinking about that one um we talked about elder costa who i've never met but that guy's my hero now (laughs) and i'm like i'm kind of saddened that we haven't talked about more companions and like the the impact that a companion's had on someone um but specifically like him standing up for you like that was that sounded like a really awesome guy to have around and so we had a great experience interviewing Jason and then five minutes after it was over, we took off the headset and everything. And then you're like, Oh man, I should share this, this, and this. And, uh, Jason's my brother. So I'm going to interview him twice to get, <laughs> get all the story. It might be three times. I don't know. Um, but anyways, before we jump into this, I had some lightning round questions. Okay. You get one, maybe two or three word answers. Okay. This okay. Is quick. Like I say lightning round, we've done this before and then it turns into like 10 minutes. No, this is like two minutes. Okay. I'll do my best. Okay. Two minutes an answer or two minutes, the whole section. Whole section. Okay. <clears throat> best food you had on your mission. Sopes. Can you describe that to me or people that might not be familiar? Sope is like, it's masa, like what they make tortillas out of, but it's thicker. It's like a half inch thick with like a little rim that they make up on the edge mm. so it's like a pancake and then on they put like beans on top like yep. refried beans and um then they'll put like carne asada or different meat on it and then this is like a gordita uh, we would call it mexican pizza, well gordita you fold this is just flat like kind of tostada style tostada style yes it's okay. so good and they're about i don't know four inches in diameter yeah nice okay worst food you had on your mission <sighs> macaroni with tuna in it i hate tuna (laughs) that's really yeah this sweet old lady she was in like an assisted living home i don't i that's the one food like really i was a really picky eater. it wasn't even the macaroni it was just the tuna ruined it for you the tuna ruined it for me yes they put tuna on pizza in brazil nasty yeah 
Okay. I got used to it. I mean, there's a lot of other foods, but like I could have said menudo or tripas or. Well, that was unique though. Yeah. I've never heard of that yeah, one. Yeah, that is. What was the coolest P-Day activity you ever did? P-Day being preparation day, the day that you kind of get off as a missionary to prepare for the rec- next week. Yeah. Um, man, that's a good one. Uh, the one that comes to mind is we went to Big Sur. So Ooh, was that big surf? No, I'm just no. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So highway one that goes up the coast of, high, of California. Uh-huh. Uh, we were inland in Salinas, which is a pretty big town there, uh, agricultural town. And so Santa Cruz and Monterey Bay were all kind of right there just on over the, this mountain range and big surge right there as well. So what is big Sur? Big Sur is just like it's like this. Is it like a state park or something? And it's 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 is it a state park? I don't know. Beach. It's It's, beautiful. It's a long stretch of highway and beach all along it. It's the most iconic highway in California. Like if you well, you you said I thought it was like we went to Tucson. Like when you're driving, if you look to the side, it's like you're gonna fall off a cliff. Like imagine like a two hundred, (laughs) three hundred foot cliff. Yeah, it's scary. But there's like there's hikes all through. Oh, nice. Yeah. so yeah, you did, did you, you went and just drove on the highway or you no, went, we and went to, and did a hike gotcha. and went down. It kind of goes down to the beach, but there's hikes all the way around. Yeah. That's cool. gorgeous. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Okay. Here's another one. And every missionary gets tired throughout the day. Okay. Like you eat food you're walking around. Like it's, it's, it's tiring. What were some of the coping mechanisms you had to not fall asleep during a lesson? I think I may have talked about this in the first time you interviewed me. But when I was a brand new missionary, I couldn't speak Spanish. So it was hard to just all over my here. attention span. And then I, <laughs> then I was really tired because you're not used to the work that you're putting in. So I would hold my feet an inch off the ground. Yeah. Did I talk about that the first time? Uh, I don't know. I don't know that you, you might've talked about it when we took the headphones off. So yeah, I would I do remember. that. I've heard that from you. But the other thing, I, I'm trying not to go more than whatever. Well, I'm ruining it because I keep asking. <laughs> My mission president was uh, an OBGYN um, by trade. And so he was really big in to this, this theory to help women when they're uh, giving birth to do this thing called the relaxation response. And so it's a way of teaching your body to relax and let things happen. And so he was a big proponent of taking a 15 minute power nap or 15 minutes to just completely relax. And I kind of man. <laughs> and he would teach us this, how to do this relaxation response to totally like relax our body and allow our mind to kind of drift and meditate. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he wanted us every day before we went to have dinner, like two thirty, three, four in the afternoon to either come back to our apartment or just park the car in like a church parking lot and take 15 minutes and just, relax because it hit his whole theory was like a bow that's strung all the time. Yeah. Was yeah. So yeah, it's a, he had a lot of like man. really cool, like things that he wanted to implement to help the missionaries mental health and their that's physical cool. health. Yeah. That's cool. I never heard that. Um, best prank someone played on you. Oh man. Played on me. I think everyone, I everyone gets know pranked. of one. The you birthday know- cake. Oh, well, we played that on somebody else. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, because my second question is best prank you played on someone else. So maybe you share that story and we'll... I'll let you talk. So when I was in Salinas, there was four elders living in this uh, apartment. And it was me and Elder Favre, uh, Josh Favre. And then the two other elders were 
Frank Magana and Elder Bardalis. I don't remember his first name. Anyways, uh, it was Magana's birthday, I think. Maybe it was Bardalis's. Anyways, we were like, oh, we're going to make him a birthday cake. And we looked around and we didn't have, I mean, it was the end of the night. It was like, we were the first ones home. <clears throat> and so all we had was cornbread mix. <laughs> so we made a cornbread cake. Did you put icing on it? Oh yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> so he took a bite and he was like, is this cornbread? <laughs> what the heck? Yeah, no idea. Like so so I guess that wasn't necessarily like a prank you were trying to. <laughs> I gotta tell this prank that I heard. Yeah, though. Let's, let's hear it. The other elders in our zone that were in the next apartment, uh, f- in the same complex, they would always prank each other. And Elder Lambert and Elder Gibbs, well, Gibbs had gotten Lambert somehow really good. Lambert was waiting till it started to get dangerous. Now, yeah, <laughs> he waited till Gibbs got in the shower. Oh no! And then he went and got instant potato mix. <laughs> <laughs> dumped, dumped it all dumped over. it all over him and i guess gibbs came out made like a snowball out of it and and threw it <laughs> <laughs> nice oh, but i'm goodness. trying to think one that somebody pranked me with uh they never like filled up your cup with like to the brim with like milk or whatever like at a, at a dinner or something, or something. Oh, like, oh yeah i mean we were constantly doing stuff to each other at dinners like eat more <laughs> eat more or to like he up. loves this yeah, <laughs> yeah or like holding up their cup while they're drinking so you're just like choking <laughs> on it or um oh these two of my favorite missionaries elder farnsworth and elder fulmer lived with us we came home and they're like we gotta tell you this story and they didn't have their name tags on so they're like we were out and we would stop by the bank to get some money or something like that. I'm probably telling the story wrong, but they're like, we got held up. This guy pulled out a gun and was like, give me your money. And they're like, we're missionaries. We're poor. We don't have anything. Anyways. So at the end of the story, they're like, he was like, well, give me your tags. And so they took the tags and, I, and I'm videotaping this because mom and dad sent me a video camera. Yeah. And they're like, so yeah, we lost our tags. <laughs> and then at the end, they're like, psych. <laughs> Which, it doesn't sound like a big prank, but at the time it was like, at the oh, time you're like I was like, yeah, I was like, oh no my way. gosh. <laughs> so, yeah. Man, like the mental boredom, like, hey, we're going to tell a story. Yeah, I was going to say, they're like <laughs> sitting in the car. Time. Okay. We're, we're going to get carpenters so good. All <laughs> right. Let's take our name tags off. Let's fabricate this whole story. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of stories, you had written down some stories that you had left out in your first episode that you wanted to talk about. And really, you just gave me names, so I have no idea what the story is. Okay. This, I don't know where they're going, but you put Leslie Ratto? Ratto? Yeah. Leslie Ratto. Tell us about Leslie. So she was a media referral. It was a referral to go take a video. Um, so we received it, and our guidance was as soon as you get a referral, you do it that day. Like strike while the, where the iron's hot, the yeah. interest is still there. And just, just to back up, a media referral is when someone calls a number, calls see, a number they, sees a commercial or, or calls on a pass along card, something like that. And it gets called to Salt Lake and then they, they call the local missionaries and send you out. Yes. Okay. Was it a VHS? Or oh yeah. Was it? Yeah, everything was VHS, man. <laughs> Finding Faith in Christ. That was the big video one. that they pushed. I could like quote that one word for word. <laughs> and that was like DVD. We are like, we're, we made it. <laughs> so this 2002, by the way, I'm 19 years since my mission. Yeah. So, so you go to visit her? Well, no, we yet. could. So the address, we looked and looked and could not find it anywhere. Like we pull out the map. We're looking like, okay, it should be somewhere here. This address does not exist week goes by. We, we literally would try every day to find this address. 
And turns out it was in a gated community. So it was a private street. Mm. And so the street didn't show up on our map, you know, cause we, we used physical maps back then. <laughs> <laughs> like your compass. <laughs> yeah. So we're at like an elder or a member's house. We're like, do you know where this is? They're like, no, honestly, we have no idea. So literally a month goes by and, um, I don't know if your missions had this or not, but some of the missionaries, not me, were big BYU fans, but they would call 1-800-555-TELL. Yes. And they would get That was the, the most bizarre. And they would call to get the sports scores. Yeah. To Wait, find what? out who yeah, beat BYU. You, you could call this like this number and then ask like, say sports. And then they'll tell you sports. They'll tell you like college football. <laughs> I did. I, I never heard of that. Is. It was a guy from Utah. Yeah, I did have- mission. Mission companions who would just, or people on my mission who would just listen to the sports. <laughs> well, I'm sure we had yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, um, we called 1-800-555-TELL and were, was like, give me directions to this address. And it found it. Oh, wow. And so a month had gone by that we'd called the number on it, never answered, it like never went through and there was no answer machine. <clears throat> so finally... We were like out and about and we happened to be by the address and now we knew that where it was. We got into the gated community, like we waited for a car to go in and followed him in. And we go knock on the door and this this lady answers the door and she kind of looks surprised. She's like, yeah, I, yeah, I'm Leslie. I called. That was a while ago. Anyways, we're like, well, would you still be interested? We'd love to, you know, watch the video with you and share a short message about Jesus Christ. And she's like, sure. And she had these two, uh, I want to say teenage kids. And her husband, her husband wasn't interested at all. I don't even think I ever met him other than like. Just in passing. Yeah. But I think he was like a professional soccer player in Peru. So they were Peruvian. Her English was perfect. So it was kind of like, did you mean to call us? Like, anyway. Well, turns out she was like super prepared. Her sister, I want to say was further up the coast in California and had taken the lessons and gone baptized and had shared it with, with her sister, Leslie and the kids. And they were all super excited. So even though when we showed up, she was kind of like, yeah, like kind of indifferent about it. She ended up being like a total golden investigator. And, um, so yeah, we, we taught her. I actually left before we finished the lessons, but I was able to come back and when she got baptized and, uh, I don't remember if her kids got baptized or not, but a good friend of mine, Elder Zamora, he, he created a solid bond with her and taught her and, you know, kind of finished it up and, you know, she got baptized and she was super strong. She was like, I came back around when I was a mission trainer and came back to the area. She was the Relief Society president. Oh, wow. wow. So she was like, she's like a pillar. Yeah. Cause I mean, how do I say this without sounding bad, but. A lot of the people weren't in a place either to be able to financially or whatever to dedicate the time. Yeah. Yeah. And she was, I mean, they were a very professional family. Her husband had a great job. She was very educated. They spoke English and Spanish perfectly. So it really opened a lot of doors and she kind of had that mature mindset and had the time to do it. Like you said. So yeah, she was awesome. I'd be curious what she's up to now. I, I should have kept in better contact, but Sister Rato. Yeah. Yeah. If out. you hear this, reach out to me <laughs> on Facebook. That's cool. Um, we'll find her. So I don't know if this is the same one then, because you also wrote the Peruvian family at citizenship training. Sorry. No, this is a different story. Okay. So you you have to know, like, 
the, how do I say this? I didn't think I was a, sex, a successful missionary. You can say sex. It's okay. Hey, hey, it's perfect. It's part of God's plan. That's right. <laughs> um, so my, I, I taught a less active, not a less active member, a member who had been excommunicated and came back in my first area. But it, I didn't really count that as like a... Because they like already were like, okay, like... Yeah, he back. was like, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, I just have to form, formally take the discussions again. But it, it was like a year before I taught somebody else that got baptized. And that was Raphael that I talked about in the first episode. And then after that, it was probably another six months later. So I'm 18 months into my mission. And I'm feeling like I haven't done much. Um, so anyways, I was... This is when I was a mission trainer. After a few other baptisms happened excuse me, after people I taught had chosen to gotten to be baptized, uh, you know, <laughs> but, uh, so I'm, I'm with these Vietnamese elders. And one of the ways that they would find people is they would do citizenship cha- training. And so there's a big Vietnamese community in San Jose and just like any group, you know, they're eager to become citizens of the United States. And so they would go to the church building and they would meet with the elders and they would just review questions. They, on the citizenship test. Because they have to, yeah, they have to take an interview or something like that, right? Well, yeah, they have to pass a test and then they have to do an interview and then, then I think they take their oath or whatever. Gotcha. So it was hilarious. We're there and they're like, I'm like, I don't speak Vietnamese. And they're like, it's okay. Just read these questions. They all, they already know it. They, they, <laughs> they're preparing the, for this interview. Like. Yeah. But the people didn't even speak English. They just knew what to say. When they <laughs> heard this thing. So yeah, yeah. the best question was like, are you a habitual drunkard? And the, these, these people like broken English, they'd be like, no, no, never. <laughs> so anyways, we were down at this, uh, the Yerba Buena building in San Jose and, uh, teaching the citizenship class. I stepped out of the room to go get a drink and out in the hallway is this couple and they're looking around and like, Hey, are you kind of in charge here? I'm like, well, no, we're just having to be here. It's during the week. Like, no, I'm 19. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely not in charge. I'm like, can I help you? Are you looking for somebody? They're like, well, we just moved and we'd been taking the discussions and the missionaries told us to just find a church and call the bishop or call whoever to then start up again, which come on elders, you could have like, yeah. done a better transfer of, yeah. but anyways, this family, this couple, I, don't, I never got their name. Um, they had already taken all the discussions, super prepared. And I think I taught them once, passed them on, but I heard that they had gotten baptized. And so for me, it was like, Hey, after 18 months of feeling like you hadn't done much or something. Yeah. Like it was like, I was hurting for, to see fruits of my labor, you know, and not even that that was my labor that was the fruit there, but I, I got to be a part of it. And so it was kind of a little miracle for me to to see that and just to see somebody so prepared that was ready to go. I want to talk about that for a little bit though. Cause I mean, we've talked about it quite a bit on other episodes where it was 18 months and you felt like you weren't doing much like, Oh, I was working hard. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, you weren't being, I, what were the words you used? Successful. Yeah. Like I didn't see like, was that because other people were baptizing and you weren't, or is that because like you had friends in South America dunking 40 people? Oh, or? I'm probably a combination of that. Yeah. Like, I think I had expectations. Like you hear, oh, the Spanish speaking missionaries, gotcha. you know, you think in yeah, South yeah, America yeah. where they're just teaching people that are uh-huh. prepared and ready to go. And even people in the States, like, it seems like the, the, 
the amount of people on the Spanish side or whatever were more prepared or more willing to be baptized more often. More accepting, yeah. Yeah, than the English-speaking uh, missionaries that found them. So I, you know, I felt like, you know, really I've had one person like mm -hmm. to be baptized at this point. Like I, I, I should be saying more. I, I bring it up because I went like seven or eight months in Brazil without a baptism. Yeah. You, and I was like, oh, I'm going to get sent home or something, <laughs> you know, but I mean, it was really good. But at the same time, it was just, I, again, I would see a lot of people other than me and other districts are in the same household getting baptisms. I'm like, dude, what the heck is going on? Yeah. What am I doing? wrong? Yeah. Like I'm doing everything I can. Am I not knocking enough doors? Yeah. I, I think, I think every missionary goes through that. Did you go through that? Yeah. It, again, it's eerie to hear you say things. Cause like I had the same thing at like 18 months and like, I was only like, I'm the assistant and like, I haven't baptized in over a year. Like why? Yeah. And at that point I had already been <clears throat> a zone leader. No, no, no. I had been, a companion to his own leader. They mm -hmm. kind of split it up. Oh, so the juniors. Yeah. Yeah. And then I had been a trainer and then I had been a district leader and then a mission trainer. So I didn't have an area for four and a half months. I would go train other elders. And then I, so I was like, so how qualified am I? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah like those things. Like, why am I training like, people if I'm not baptized? Exactly. Yeah. What, what, so with the hindsight of 19 years, what advice would you give to a missionary that feels like I'm not an effective missionary? When, like, when you're doing, they're doing everything they're supposed to. And it's just like, I know what the answer is, but what's your answer? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think there is a right answer. I think, I mean, there, there's many right answers I should say. Yeah. I, I think one, it was a lesson I needed to learn that just because I do something, I can't demand or expect certain results. I think the Lord was treat, teaching me patience and um, kind of humbling me, but I'd say even if you don't see the results, doing something right doesn't just because you don't see the results doesn't make it wrong. So you should always continue doing what you should be doing and, and you can always be improving. So there was probably things that I needed to do to become a better teacher, to be a better finder, to be more outgoing, to change my character a little bit, to, to, to open myself up to new possibilities. So I think it was a refining process for yeah. me. Yeah, no, that's... How about you, Jordan? Um, I had two things. One is is people have agency. So you, you as a missionary, all you can do is present. Yes. You can't force them to do anything, you know? And then number two, I love that you talked about, like, it refined you, made you better. Like, I became so much better of a teacher through that. Like, learning, like, hey, how can I most simply get this, present this message to yes. them? Because that's all I can do is work on presenting. And the second one is you're... It's chapter one, preach my gospel. You're, oh man, I don't know if I can remember off the top of my head. <laughs> your success as a missionary is primarily defined by your commitment to serve, yeah. like to, to baptize it. But it comes down to the word commitment. So yeah. if you're committed, you can't worry about it. Like it's other people's agency. You can't, you know, you can't control that. Yeah. But, but I, I like, I'm right there with you in the moment. It was like, man, like I'm not a good missionary. Mm -hmm. And I feel, I feel like I'm not doing my part. You know, something you said there, uh, my mission president, uh, Reed Haywood, he always said, my success is not dependent on how many baptisms our mission does. He's like, that's a metric that we like to see and, and, and try to excel at and do better at, you know, it gives us something to, to push on, but really the way that I'm going to be judged or not judged as, but judged on my success is in 10 or 15, 20 years. 
how many of the missionaries that I had stewardship over are still active yeah. members of the church? Yeah. And I was like, that's pretty solid, like way of thinking of things. It's like, all you can do is develop and do the best you can to help people. And I loved what you said about agency. That's so true. I feel like a lot of times, at least some of the younger missionaries that I had encountered on my mission, it was almost like, you know, when you're a kid, when you do your chores and you're all right, like, I want to go play now. Can I watch TV or give me candy or give me f my $5 or whatever? I've worked so hard. So I get yeah, like A plus B equals C. Right. And I think a lot of missionaries get to a point where they, they have a hard time like that. Like, look, I'm, I'm teaching my lessons, doing all this. I need to have a baptism. And like, that's not the result that you're going for, right? Like that's part of being a missionary is baptizing people. But at the same time, um, you're there to rep represent the Lord. You're there to be committed to him. Right. So whatever that looks like, sometimes that results in baptism. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it results in you building your character and becoming yeah, more regardless, It should result in you becoming a better person. Yeah. A better disciple of Christ. And I, I mean, honestly, like in studying doctrine and covenants and, and reading like about the early days of the church and how many, how much refinement Joseph Smith had to go through. And like, it gives me goosebumps. Like, uh, no, that's not what I said, you know, do it this way. And, and to, I think everybody has to have that type of relationship at one point in time with their heavenly father. And there's two ways you can, you can either like look at it as like, I'm being chastised and come out of it in a negative way. Or you could be like, okay, like, what am I to learn from this? How am I supposed to um, be a better person or be a better disciple of Christ and go through it. So I, I saw that a lot in, in young missionaries, man. They'd get, I remember one elder in particular, and I don't mean to take much of Jason's sign, but other Leo, I remember he would just come home and cry. I don't have a baptism. And I was like, well, how many lessons did you teach? Oh, 35. And I'm like, yeah, that's killing. <laughs> like yeah. there's people like some of my buddies in the States would like, they do that in like two months, like chill out. You're, you're, you're working hard. That's all you can do. Yep. As long as you can yeah. do that, you're fine. And then like the, the, the ultimate example is heavenly father and like the plan of salvation. He presented it. A third of his children said, mm, not for me. So like, yeah, it's, it's tough. Like he understands. All right. That's a good, good segment. I, I think it's just, it's important that I sect those, those, uh, feelings, right? Oh, yeah. Because I think a lot of, I've known a handful of people who have come home from their mission and it sound, I, I don't know the, all the details, but it sounds like they got to a point like that. And then the adversary worked extra hard in convincing them that they weren't worthy or that is a waste of time. Yeah. yeah and so yeah. they ended up coming home. Like a mission is not easy. It's hard. Right. I mean, look at all, like every, anybody who's ever chosen in the history of time to be a disciple of Christ has lived a challenging life. Look at Peter, look at all the apostles, like, it does. It's not going to be any easier for you. Yeah. It's not going to be a cakewalk. Yeah. So the next name that you had listed was Jeremiah. I don't know if that's the scripture or if that's a name. No, no. Jeremiah one four. <laughs> this is kind of a funny story. That's one five. Oh shoot! It's one five, <laughs> right? So this is while I was a mission trainer. So I didn't have a my own area. I would just go and you know go on splits every day with different missionaries usually the companionship together and we would go and teach people. So anyways, uh, I, I showed up in Fremont, California, which was the top of my mission. And, um, I was with elder Briner and I can't remember whose companion was at the time. 
And for whatever reason, it was only Elder Briner and I. I think they must have had splits and then somebody from the mission, from the ward didn't show up. And so he and I went off to teach and then his companion went with somebody else. So anyways, Elder Briner and I came out at the same time to oh, nice. the mission. You know, we flew out on the same plane. Like You're in an MTC together. Well, he was Dis- English district. speaking. Oh, okay. So we weren't in the same MTC group, but anyways... Um, we also got in the, our first area were the same area. So we had known each other for a long time and I just love the heck out of him. His name's Sam Briner. He actually lives, uh, either in Mesa and Gilbert now really from Utah, but yeah, he moved down here like 10 years ago or so. So if be money, if you're listening to this, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyways, him and I were riding back at the end of the night. We had worked hard, taught some good lessons. And I want to say it was like eight forty-five, nine. Like it was, you know, we had worked the whole day and we were horsing around on the way back and we we're riding bikes. And so what happened is I'd ride up in front of him and then I would go and cut him off and I'd let's slow down. So I put him into the, the curb <laughs> <laughs> and then he would, get, it was the end of the day. Yeah. And so then he'd speed up and do it to me. So we kept kind of like, and you know, what's happening. Like, dude, oh, oh, here he goes. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we're like racing down the street. Anyways, I got him good. And he like stopped and like got off his bike. Like he might've like fall- <laughs> fallen. Anyways, I get down, like I turn around and I'm like 400 yards ahead. I'm like, where is he? I like back and he's off his bike and he's talking to somebody. So I circle back and, um, he's there teaching a first discussion to this guy, this guy, Jeremiah. Ah. And, um, so anyways, I get off and we had just had zone conference. And at the time, I want to say our mission president and the APs had put an extra emphasis on inviting, not inviting in, in uh, what sort I'm looking for, like offering commitments and extending commitments and extending invitations to be baptized specifically. And so first discussion, I'm like, they said to do it. Yeah. So we're in the middle of it and he's, he's taught a great lesson and I, you know, I'm jumping in and we're team teaching really well. We're very senior missionaries at this point. So it's flown good. It's flowing great. Yeah. And this guy is like eating it up and he's just so ready and willing. And it was like, okay. So I'm like, so Jeremiah, you know, if, if these things that we've taught you, if, if you go home and you ponder on it and pray about it and you read the book of Mormon that we've given you and you feel like it's true and you, you receive that answer for yourself, would, would you consider joining the church and being baptized? And he goes, yeah, absolutely. And so I was like, well, right on. So he knew our expectation of teaching him yeah, from the get-go. Yeah. And so it was great. You know, I did what we'd been challenged to do. And, you know, obviously I left the area because it wasn't my area. You know, I was only with them for one day. But I talked to Elder Briner later and he was like, yeah, we taught Jeremiah and he got baptized. Nice. So it was like really cool to, again, jump Be into this experience. And, yeah. yeah. And uh, to see these miracles years later or months later you know, come about. So, and you know, what's funny is people might be like missionaries, like don't, don't goof off or whatever. Like if you weren't maybe shoving him into the corner and like making him stop, you might not have seen Jeremiah. Well, my argument is just because you're a missionary doesn't mean you shouldn't have fun. Right. And we weren't, I mean, were we being the best examples of the savior? Well, I mean, is having fun not being a Dude, example? I'm sure he played like hacky sack or something. <laughs> like, I'm sure he did some things. We weren't really derogatory to anybody. I mean, we were just, you know, having fun. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's all in good humor. Yeah. I remember, this is a random story. One time my mom gave me, sent me uh, vampire teeth in 
a package and I wore them and I like showed a kid. <laughs> and like since <laughs> being not talking about not being a good example, I'm sure this kid's like, yeah, dude, I saw this Mormon missionary and he's a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like thinking about it now. You're like, oh, geez. Pe- yeah. People believe crazy. I things know. Too. But yeah. so, I mean, yeah, you, you may not have been the best example, but at least you didn't convince some kid you were a vampire. I think it's also <laughs> important, though, to show people that missionaries are real people yeah. and you're not just like, robot. Yeah, exactly. Like we have personalities, we have interests, we have hobbies. Yeah. And I think the more you share that with members and non-members alike, like I think they eat it up and love it. Yeah. And I think that's having been proselyted to by other denominations. I think that's one thing that the LDS church does very well is human, well, humanize missionaries, right? They, they, my mission president taught us to be ourselves and that's what people who are teaching are going to gravitate towards your spirit, your testimony, right? Not the, not the book of Mormon in regards to like your testimony of the book of Mormon. They're going to go get one for themselves, but it's going to be your testimony that opens that door. They're usually not going to want to make it personal for them until they see that it's personal, personal to you. you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cause then it's just not important. if It's not personal. <clears throat> The, the next name you got on here is the Escobedo family. Okay. So this was while I was a zone, a junior zone leader ish. I was with Elder Schaffenberg, one of my favorite companions. And we had gone there. There was this area we were in downtown San Jose and we had been praying specifically to find a family. And I want to say the Escobedos, the whole family, that was the second baptism that I was a part of my whole mission. And so that was probably six months later after Raphael had been baptized. And so, um, so yeah, we, we didn't find them. Uh, Elder Schaffenberg's old companion, Elder Stringfellow, they, they had been zone leaders and they split them and kept Schaffenberg as the zone leader and brought me in as the junior. And then they kept Elder Stringfellow in the area because he knew it so well and they kind of split the area. So anyways, Stringfellow and uh, I can't remember who he was with. Anyways. Were you guys all in the same apartment or whatever? No, okay. no, but I, I want to say we we're in the same apartment complex. So anyways, they were out, um, they were on exchanges with, why were they in our area? I don't know why, but anyways, they were in our- vision business. <laughs> yeah. So they're out and this guy's out working on a car and he's got like a cigarette behind his ear and he's smoking, Brother Escobedo. And uh, they straight up talk to him. They're like, hey, how are you doing? This guy, his name's Condelario. Awesome. Just super humble guy. I think looking back now, they'd probably been going, I think they were going through some marriage trouble. And so he was just out cooling down after a fight or something like that. And uh, I think she had given him some ultimatums like, hey, you need to change. You need to do this and that. And so he was he was humble and ready to look for anything to change. And um, so they taught him and they're like, hey, we found this awesome family in your your uh, area. So we know you guys are great missionaries. Take it away. And so Schaffenberg and I went, taught him all the lessons. It was a family of, let's see, him and his wife, Juana, and then their daughter, the oldest daughter was pregnant. And then they had, I want to say three or four other kids. You know what? I wrote it down. I don't know about you guys, but I kept like a lineage in my, my Bible. Yeah. Of all the people I taught and baptized. So yeah. If I can. Yeah. So it's interesting to hear you as, as you're talking, cause you talk about like 
well, I only baptized like two or three people or whatever, but it's like, no, you were, you, you played a role in probably a lot more people than that. Getting- yeah. So I can tell you, I, there was <clears throat> eight people that I taught and was there for their baptism. The Escobedo's accounted for one, five of those. So three other baptisms other than that. But then there was. That's a good day. Five baptisms. Th- there was 10 other people that I taught who got baptized later on. So it was like, you know, the majority of the people that I taught who got baptized, I wasn't there for. Mm-hmm. I think that, I think that's a lesson to itself. Yeah. But anyway, so the, yeah, the Escobedos, we taught them all. The kids were super prepared and ready. It, it was just a whole awesome experience. And we'd been praying what for What made them ready? Because I thought you said there was like kind of some, some marital well, I think that was that kind of rock bottom and they were, ready. yeah, I think, okay. I think they were at a place where they like knew together as a couple if they wanted to make some changes, major and- changes. Yeah. They needed to find something to join efforts on. And so sister Escobedo was super uh, ready to go. And-, and they were like legally married and everything. Yeah. They were yeah. legally married. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times they weren't, mm-hmm. you know, I think I, I know like Raphael, I had to get him married um, before he could get baptized, but. It's funny the things you have to do as a missionary. Like, hey, I'm getting people married today. <laughs> Dude, it's tough. I went down to the courthouse and got your marriage certificate. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. You're married. Yeah. yeah. But no, they were they were awesome. And we had so many good lessons with them. But I remember the the lesson that where we commit them to baptism. We watched Elder Schaffenberg. It was like his secret tool was we'd watch this video. And it was one. It's a church video, right? It was a church video. I can't remember the name of it. Oh, what was it? I've probably seen it because I... But it was one where there's a family and their daughter dies. Yep. And that one just like really made the importance of families yeah. and plan salvation so important. These are like old school. These are old like, school. Like, okay. So old school, I think dude. I remember. The acting, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember we watched it and the family was just like, wow, this is so important. And so we, we, had, we knew, we've like game planned beforehand. We're like, look, who is the most humble and most prepared? And it was their eight-year-old son who was like the most ready. And so we watched the video, we taught a little bit more, and then we went to our invitations. And instead of asking the mom and dad first, we asked the eight-year-old son. And he was like, yeah, I believe this is true. And I would love to be baptized. And then we went up the chain from reverse order. And so the mom and dad were like, yeah, like seeing our children and seeing Anyways, it's interesting. Yeah. It, it was really cool. And so, yeah, we they ended up getting baptized. It was super. And the ward totally came together, the branch. There was probably like 60 people there. And I think the branch had like. You added like 10%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was That's great. awesome. You've got two more. And then I'm going to throw in another one, but you got Gustavo. Is he part of. Yeah. So Gustavo was the end of my mission. Uh, my last area in Gilroy, California. It's That's the garlic the, capital of the world. Yes. And uh, Gustavo lived in uh, Morgan Hill, which is a city between Gilroy and San Jose. So a lot of people in San Jose don't live in San Jose. They commute because it's so expensive there. I can't imagine how expensive it is now, but um Anyways, this family, the Warners, their son was good friends with Gustavo. I don't know how. I think they met at work or something like that. And Gustavo was kind of a middle-aged man. He was like 35 or so. He was like a professor of psychology or something in Mexico. He was like a therapist. And so he was brilliant, just really well thought out, smart man. 
And so the Warners were like, Hey, we've got this guy. Um, he's, he's from Mexico. His primary language is Spanish. So we'd love to have the Spanish speaking missionaries come and teach him. He spoke great English. Like there would have been no problem. And I think most of the discussions we did were probably mostly in English, but we still had the opportunity. So me and, uh, oh, what's his name? It wasn't Elder Payne. It's one of my favorite companions. Blake, what's his last name? Sorry, Blake. <laughs> we still love you. <laughs> this is what you get whenever you're reaching out to me anymore. Anyways, um, we taught him and Gustavo was like, he read the whole Book of Mormon. Like I rarely had that where people would actually read it. He'd have us meet him at like coffee shops. Like it was like so like professional. Yeah. Like, whoa, okay. And he talked to us about therapy that he was doing for people and uh, like how the gospel would help him in different ways. But he's like, but as a therapist, I can't, you know. Mm-hmm. But anyways, so yeah, he got, he got baptized. I went back for his endowment. After the mission? After or? the mission. Okay. And at that time. What uh, temple would that be? Uh, the Oakland? Oakland temple. Yeah. And, um, oh man, this is killing me. What's, uh, my last companion here. This is, this is so bad. Elder Taylor. Gosh, Blake. Blake. So, Blake. so Elder Taylor at the time was an AP. So you're not supposed to like let anybody who's not a missionary in a missionary car. He totally picked me up from the airport. Oh, he's <laughs> like, we're going, I don't care. So. So yeah, it was awesome. It was such a cool experience to see somebody you taught go through the temple. And so... Hey, you could be there for him the whole yeah. time. And so we got got there, got to go through that. He was in the branch presidency uh, after that. Like he was one of the few endowed members. He got the Melchizedek priesthood right away. So within a year, got his endowment. And yeah. And that's he, awesome. And it was really because the Warners, this family that took him under their wing. And Brother Warner was like... Mr. Incredible, like his voice and his like physique and everything. He was just an awesome guy. But they had Gustavo live with them for a while. And I think that's what really, like they were under his roof. So they taught him good habits. You know, at night, you say your prayers before we go to bed as a family. They brought him to this family environment. So. Awesome. Yeah. I, unfortunately, I lost track of Gustavo. I haven't been in contact with him recently. But He'll hear this podcast. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be a lot of people reaching out to you, especially Blake. <laughs> yeah, Elder Taylor. He's a physician somewhere now. He's a doctor. Man, we should have got the guy that uh, that's living in Mesa and Gilbert now. Briner, Briner. Yeah. yeah, I would love to. Yeah, I should have brought him. Okay, I got two more. You've got being a zone leader with Schaffenberg and cheering up our zone. So you had mentioned that he was he was a zone leader. You were is a companion, mm-hmm. and the the area had split, and so you're over. So, area. What, but what do you mean cheering up the zone? What was going on? We had a huge zone. Uh, we were central San Jose. Geographically or? Well, for us, it was one of the bigger zones geographically. Yes. Okay. And we had a lot of missionaries. And so um, it seemed like just everybody was down. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Can you not hear yourself? There, there it is. Thanks. Um, so... It, it just seemed like thing, people were down and needed cheering up. And so we had a lot of miles on our car and we would just go around and, and, uh, I think at night we would like do little pranks. We'd, we'd leave like a spiritual message, but we would do something funny at each door and then we'd doorbell ditch them. 
And it was like <laughs> the weirdest thing, but they loved it. Like, so the next time we had zone conference or district conferences that we'd go to or district meetings we go to, they were like, Hey, that was kind of dumb and dorky, <laughs> but we loved it. So thank you. And like, they totally loved us. So like one thing we did, we, we showed up to this one apartment and the missionaries had, they'd take their shoes off and leave them outside. And for whatever reason, we had duct tape in our car. So we duct taped all their shoes to the door <laughs> <laughs> and then we knocked and ran, but we left, you know, like a treat with, with the spiritual message to it. And like, by the time we got home, they'd already called and left a message on our, on our voicemail. And it was like, Hey, thank you. You got us. You got us. <laughs> like, like we were right there. I don't know how you got away so fast. Anyways, we had done, we hit every apartment that night. Oh, wow. And like I said, we had a really big like zone. Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> and so they, then they started talking to each other. Like, what'd you do? What did they do at your place? Or they'd, they'd warn people like, Hey, zone leaders are out doing stuff. And then here and here. Yep. Watch out. So that's awesome. So yeah, it was fun. It was just, it was just little things, just showing people that you cared about them, that we're in this together. We can have fun while we're working hard. You know, I, I learned a lot from Schaffenberg in that, uh, that stuff. Nice. Like he, he, he was a great leader. Um, Alma 24. So I wish I, well, I do have my scriptures at the end of my mission. I was reading, reading the book of Mormon. So I read the book of Mormon in English in the MTC, read the whole thing in that. Yeah. You talked about that in the, uh, which was life-changing. And then it was even more life-changing to read it in Spanish. And like, that's literally how I learned Spanish, reading it out loud every day. Yep. And like my notes in the book of Mormon, they're all in Spanish. But because I was a teacher at the time, like a missionary, I started to recognize patterns and why the scriptures were written certain ways to like to teach certain lessons. And so it was like all of a sudden, like things were made clear. But anyways, at the end of my mission, I was reading again and um, I was reading Alma 24. And I want to say that's where I'll open up there okay. with you. Let's see here. Oh, it's 26. 26. Am and glories in the yes, Lord. Yes, yes. And I think it's verse 24. That's probably where I would got. Uh, but to give to give some context while Jason's looking for whatever he's looking for, the sons of Mosiah and Alma were missionaries for 14 years, and they kind of have this, this reunion where they haven't seen each other in a long, long time. And I think, hopefully I'm saying the right moment. I think this is what's going yeah. on in time. And so they're all like kind of reflecting and going to other areas to preach the gospel and Ammon starts going off and he's like, man, like it's been good. And like, I am, I just feel so powerful and I feel like we're doing some good work and they're like, Hey, like you need to calm down because you are like, it, it almost sounds like you're a little prideful. He's like, I'm not prideful about me. It's about heavenly father. Like how he's helped me do this amazing work. Yeah. So yeah, thank you. So like reading, in this, it, he kind of lays out all the things they went through, just like he said. In verse 27, it's like, now when our hearts were depressed and we were about to turn back, behold, the Lord comforted us and said, go amongst thy brethren, the Lamanites, and bear with patience thine afflictions, and I will give unto you success. And 28, now behold, we have come, we've been forth among them, and we have been patient in our sufferings, and we have suffered every privation, yea, we have traveled from house to house, relying upon the mercies of the world not upon the mercies of the world alone, but upon the mercies of God. So I'm reading this and it's literally like, that's your mission. Yeah. I'm like, Oh my gosh. 
And I'm looking back at this list of names of people I've taught and I'm thinking of all these experiences I've had. And then, you know, 29, and now we've entered into their houses and we've taught them. We've taught them into their streets. Yea, we have taught them upon their hills and we have also entered into their temples and their synagogues. We have taught them. We've been cast out and mocked and spit upon and smote upon our cheeks. We've been stoned and taken and bound with strong cords and we cast into prison. And through the power and wisdom of God, we've been delivered again. You think about all the hard experiences and the slaps in the face, maybe not physically, but like the insults or the things people did to you. And I'm just like, like Ammon is speaking to me as I'm reading this. And then he talks in uh, 31. Now behold, we can look forth and see the fruits of our labors. And are they few? I say unto you, nay, there are many. Yea, we can witness of their sincerity because of their love towards their brethren and also towards us. And you think about that special bond you have with people you taught and how they love you so much as a missionary and how it's hard to leave. And so like, I'm thinking of all this stuff, you know, at the end of my mission and then, oh man, where is it? Um, Oh, 35. Now have we not reason to rejoice? Yea, I say unto you, there never were men that had so great reason uh, to rejoice as we since the world began. Yea, and my joy is carried away even unto boasting in my God, for he has all power, all wisdom, and all understanding. He comprehendeth all things, and he is merciful being, yea, even unto salvation for those who repent and believe on his name. And that's some powerful scripture for somebody who's been through a mission. And so every time, not every time, I wish every time a missionary came home and I had a personal relationship with them, I'd try to remember to send that to them to read. Because I think it's a great capstone on a mission to look back and ponder on as you think about your own mission and experiences you had. And then you can totally relate to what's being said here. So... There's more there and I could keep reading, but it's powerful scripture in my mind. And at the time when I read it at the end of my mission, it was like, I was just cloud nine. Like, this is awesome. I just suffered through so much, but I've grown so much. And a missionary, a mission is so worth it and so powerful for everybody. Those that receive the message and those that teach the message. And it's funny hearing you share your mission and learning more about it. Just the verse 27, go forth among thy brethren and bear with patience thine afflictions and I will give you success. And it's like talking about, you know, where there's tons of times where you had to be patient and you didn't feel like you were being successful. And then now, you know, and and again, you have this list of people that you were able to see or you found out. You don't know the people, like there's still people you yeah. don't know that have yeah. joined the church from your efforts. Or their kids or people that they taught. Yeah. Like, Maybe their kids went on missions or these people, you know, brought other people in the church. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And and then especially, I think the gospel, like in the scriptures, there's two or three times when Heavenly Father or Jesus weep. And it's usually for two reasons. One, because his children hate them, hate each other, or two, because they love each other. And it talks right at the very end of this, the sincerity and the love that they have. And like, that's what you do as missionaries. You, you bring this emotion, this feeling, this connection with God. Yeah. And it's this, this, like, it's the most worthwhile thing you can do to 
put Jesus Christ's name on your chest and help people feel that connection. Yeah. You, I asked you earlier if I needed to bring anything uh-huh. and you I'd, said, you know, any memento or anything from your mission. The only thing I could think of was my scriptures in Spanish and then my name tag. And I, you know, we, we always thought it was a badge of honor to see how dirty your name was. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Cause it was like, you know, you were out there, you worked. You worked yeah, yeah. Got dirty. And then, the back I have all these stickers and uh, it was just what we the, did that too. the little kids gave me, you yeah. know? And I'm looking, I'm like, oh, 2003, that was the middle of my mission. <laughs> and I like I can remember the kids' faces who gave me certain stickers. And I was like, this is really cool. Like a great keepsake to yeah. to, to keep and have. That is cool. I've got one last question, and you've already like answered a lot, but the one question I have is you're in the bishopric now. You said if you were to talk to a missionary coming home from their mission, you would send them. I'm a 26 that they really need to at least like in, enjoy, like you can empathize with Ammon, like, you know what it was like and you had, you know, the same blessings, but I guess this is like taking another step. You're in the bishopric and you get a larger perspective of people's lives and what they're going through and also the atonement. And I feel like this, this podcast is really, I, I part of it is I want people who have served missions and have left the church or have maybe fallen away because of sin or feeling ashamed to come back, what advice would you give to someone who is feeling ashamed for maybe getting into the world and, and feeling a little lost? I've thought a lot about this topic, not necessarily because I'm in the bishopric, but I think because you're a return missionary, yeah, everybody, because everyone. I've made mistakes in life yeah. and I've needed to repent. I think this whole life is a test, right? It's not, how do I say this? The test is not to be perfect. The test is to... We all fail at that. <laughs> yeah. We, and we all know we're going to fail, but yet we all have this standard culturally that if somebody messes up, well, then there's shame, you know? And I think the biggest thing, I, and I was just listening to this podcast and I want to say it was either John, by the way, or Hank Smith. They've said over and over in this podcast, I listened to the Follow Him podcast, um, that we need to celebrate repentance more. Yeah. And really celebrate it and rejoice in it. And so, you know, I was at a baptism not too long ago, uh, uh, an eight-year-old, and I shared about Grandpa Button, how he would always tell us how proud he was of us and how much he loved us. And I think that's the same with our Heavenly Father and with our Savior. Look, they know that we're like infants. We're going to fall and struggle or we're somebody who's sick and going to a doctor like, yeah, we have this. Okay. No big deal. Let's fix you from this point going forward. And so, um, so I think people just need to stand back and look at a, a wider view of our purpose here. Our purpose is to go through experiences and that includes failure. And then to grow from those, choose the right, choose our savior all over again and let repentance happen and change. Um, I'm trying to think of your original question now. No, that was, <laughs> no, that just was what good. advice would you give to return missionary? So, so yeah, my advice to return missionaries would be remember the good things from your mission. Remember the good habits you had, try to replicate them. If you fall short of that, it's okay. We all start do. again another day, you know? Every day is a new day, a new day to every hour is a new time to change. Like you could screw up and then two minutes later decide I'm trying again. And there's no reason why 
you can't start trying right that minute. And if you fail again, fail forward and keep trying and trying. You're going to fail over and over. If you're overcoming a drug addiction or pornography or anger issues, it doesn't just go away. You have to learn how to deal with it and how to choose not to use that as your coping mechanism anymore. So I think that's the big thing. The other thing I've learned is that there is this great love that our Savior has and our Heavenly Father has for their children, right? And if we look at this relationship of a father to a child, they just want the best for their child. And so the shame of it, yeah, there may be a little like hard feelings, but that doesn't last with good parents. Good parents want the best for their children. So they're going to help them overcome that and rise above it no matter what it is. So if we remember how much love that we have behind us, pushing us to do what's right, then we'll look out for those hands reaching to pull us up. And they're on both sides of the equation. The Heavenly Father loves us. The Savior's there to help us through it. And um, yeah, like I, I think about that honestly daily. And I look at my own kids and think the, the greatest gospel lesson I've ever had is having kids. Yes. And learning what love is. Because you can't learn certain things until you experience it. And the minute you see your, your first child, you understand better the love that your heavenly father has for you as his child. So I just kind of ranted there. <laughs> it, is, it is all good. And like typically we end with a testimony that basically was like it, unless you want to bear your testimony, I think we're good to, <laughs> good to call it. You know, you put on there, if I could bear my testimony in Spanish. Uh-huh. <laughs> Can you still? Can you? There's something in there. Let's try. Did you not do it last yo, time? Yo, no, I didn't last time. Did you not even bear your testimony last time? Or you did in English? I don't remember. I don't know if we did because we we didn't add the testimony aspect for maybe the first couple episodes. Jason was episode five, so. Oh, I thought we did. Before I share my testimony in Spanish, because I'm going to try. Yo sé. I want to tell you both that you are doing something very important here. <laughs> Honestly. I try. After you interviewed me a year ago, the effect that it had on me for the next few months was like reliving my mission daily and remembering those memories. And it was a testimony builder in and of itself. And, um, and I, and then I listened to every episode you did and I'm sure that those people felt the exact same thing over and over and over again. And then I have told people to go listen to it, to feel the feelings that I felt listening to other people's testimonies so, you know, journaling is a powerful thing. This is yeah. an amazing thing for as far as journaling goes. And um, there's, there's power in remembering, uh, you know, and so it's, it's been building my testimony all over again. I appreciate it. So, yeah. But is it uh, prepare the call and remind the return? Yep. That's, that's the slogan. It's perfect. All right. <laughs> Mis hermanos. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Ojalá mi acento está... <laughs> no tan malo. <laughs> um, quiero compartir mi testimonio con ustedes. Um, realmente he podido ser un placer estar aquí con ustedes hoy día hablando acerca de mi misión y la, el amor que Dios tiene para nosotros como uh, sus hijos. Yo sé que realmente somos hijos de Dios que Él es nuestro Padre y realmente nos quiere y um, nos ama como sus, hijo, sus hijos. 
yo sé que Jesucristo realmente es nuestro Salvador. Y además de Salvador, es nuestro... Um, <laughs> como un abogado, abogado, nuestro advocate con el Padre. Y va a ser ahí con nosotros lado a lado, dándonos ganas para seguir adelante. Yo sé que el profeta José Smith realmente vio a Moroni, a nuestro Padre Celestial, a nuestro Salvador. Realmente vio las platas de oro y por ellos y con el poder de Dios uh, traducido el libro de Mormón. <laughs> wow, esto es difícil. It's been 19 years. It's been 19 years. Pero sé, sé que eso, hay poder en le, leyendo las escrituras. Sé que son verdaderas. Um, Sé que todo esto es real y tiene un propósito que para darnos más cerca a nuestro Padre Celestial. Sé que el Evangelio es, es, es verdadera y esto les comparto en el nombre de Jesucristo. Amén. Amén. Thank you, Jason. That was good. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll wrap this up. Jason, you've now been on four episodes. So, if Zach's ever. Four. Out, oh, yeah, three. three. No, no Coop, yourself, um, Colby, Colby, and then this one, I can't count. Three. <laughs> oh, I thought we did one with him and Tim. I could be wrong. No, I wasn't there with Tim. We'll, we'll, we'll do one. I'd but, gladly join anytime. I was going to say, if Zach's not here, I think you're going to be co-host. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes my Saturdays get busy. Anyways, thanks for tuning in. We'll wrap this up and uh, like and subscribe. <laughs>